wonderful video that sums up uh, what we're talking about today. Is my mic on? Okay, thank you. How many of you, how many of you uh, like to go grocery shopping? Anybody like that? Yeah? All right. I, I don't enjoy it that much. Uh, there's just so many choices. Did you know that there are 27 different kinds of uh, Crest toothpaste? 27? That's a little bit overkill, don't you think? And then, you know, I go back to the shampoo section and I'm totally lost. I don't know what kind of hair I have. All I know is I'm losing it, man. So we look over here at uh, Head and Shoulder Shampoo, all the different types. Active, sport, old, spice, deep, clean, hair endurance, refresh, extra strength for men, citrus breeze, ocean lift, dry scalp care with almond oil, classic clean, sensitive scalp. It, it, <laughs> I mean, really? Come on. We have so much information, and we need to make more choices than anyone has had to make in the history of the world. In 2014, Consumer Reports came out with a survey of 3,000 people and said that 36% of people said that when they went shopping, there was just too much information. They were overwhelmed in the process of trying to buy something because it was just too complicated. We've all felt that way, haven't we? Well, friends, today we're going to talk about wisdom, wisdom, and wisdom is what we need more than anything. The problem with our culture is that uh, we now worship education and not God. The United States was founded on biblical principles, but over the last 60 years, People have been taking the gemstones of wisdom out of the framework of the values of the United States. And we're paying for it. We're paying for it. That's why it's so important that we seek after wisdom. You hear the word wisdom much anymore? Not really. More information insights, that type of thing. But wisdom is a very biblical word and a very important one to understand. In fact, the word means in Hebrew how to live skillfully. How to live skillfully. I think we all want to live skillfully. And of course, God tells us how to live skillfully from His point of view. A kingdom point of view instead of the world's point of view. Oh, there's all kinds of worldly wisdom out there. You see it in the magazines and the Internet. Uh, all kinds of advice of how you should solve your problems and be happier or whatever the case might be. But many times it's just worldly wisdom. We want godly wisdom. We want wisdom that we can uh, apply to our lives to live it skillfully for the glory of God. The Wisdom for Life series that we're in right now is uh, covering the book of James. 
Got a three-month study going on in the book of James, and I just love the book of James. It's so practical. It's so helpful in living everyday life because it, it, it addresses so many different issues that we struggle with. It's a, it's a wisdom book like the wisdom literature in the Old Testament, Psalms, Proverbs, uh, Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes. And we started last week, so I hope you, you enjoy it. And I, I would encourage you to be a self-feeder. When you go home this week, you know, take your notes from this and read over the passage. And, uh, and about, about a biblical commentary... All right, way to go. I got one take. Anybody else buy the Moody Book Commentary? All right. Now, how many of you don't have any commentaries? You have a study Bible, but you don't have any commentaries. Raise your hand in your home. Okay. Well, I would encourage you again. I'm not getting any money from this. I'm just trying to help you be a self-feeder. I mean, here is a beautiful commentary, the best I've seen on the whole Bible. Wherever you're reading, and you say, well, that's strange. You can open up the commentary, get it on the Kindle. Yeah. So, friends, you know, consume James in the next several months. Make it yours. Memorize the verses out of it. Let God speak to you through it. Now, in order uh, to understand the passage we're going over today, we need to review last week. So, let's take a look. James 1 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Again, I should be joyful about problems. That doesn't make any sense. But what we learned last week is count it all joy. The original word means consider, evaluate, look forward. So the idea in counting it all joy is, okay, I'm going to go through this trial It's not going to be easy. It's going to be very frustrating. But if I lean on God, if I seek out His wisdom, at the end of this trial, I'm going to be more like Jesus Christ. I'm going to be stronger, more mature. I'll be able to glorify God better. Now you see, that is a kingdom mindset. That's a kingdom mindset. Well, yeah, you're going to have trials. (laughs) The trials are going to keep coming (laughs) until you die. And then if you're a Christ follower, no more trials. Yeah, they come all the time. How many got a new trial this past week? All right. Well, new opportunity, right? New opportunity to grow, a new opportunity to trust Jesus Christ. You see, guys, if you really, really think about this and meditate upon it, and, and get it into your thinking, in whatever is the best way, that trials are tests to help you become stronger in Christ. When you start viewing your day, it doesn't matter how bad a day it is, right? I mean, you're going to learn a lot that day. You're not going to be happy and you know jumping around. You're thinking about all these things, but you're going to keep going to God. Yeah, it's the way we should think as Christians. That's why this passage is so critical to understand uh, what life is all about. Because, I mean, if you have a life that's uh, focused on the world's agenda, you want happiness, comfort, success, and so on. 
And when you don't get those things, you get ticked. And you say, God's not treating me right. Why, why did this happen? Why did this person get sick? Why did that person lose his job? And so you get ticked. But if you view it from God's viewpoint, okay, these are difficult things. But God is going to show me new things. God is going to grow me. God is going to test my, test my faith, really. That's the idea uh, behind it. Uh, verse 3, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So that's how you need to think as you go throughout your day. Oh, here's another test. Now, after you get very upset and say, well, when you calm down, say, this is another test to help me to become more like Jesus. And you need to pass that test. Because if you don't pass that test, what happens? You've got to take it over again. Who wants to take it over again? Don't waste your pain. Let God work through the first trial. So you don't have to experience it again because He'll keep teaching you. He'll keep testing you over and over and over again. It produces steadfastness. I like the other word they use in other translations, and that's endurance. It produces endurance. It's like these marathon runners that run 24 miles. I, I can't even imagine. But again, because they have built up the capacity of their physical body to run 24 miles, they've built that type of endurance level. Well, friends, we need to build our spiritual capacity in order to walk through life, in order to disciple others, in order to fulfill God's meaning for our life. Then he goes on and says, James 1, 4, And let steadfastness have its full effect. You may be perfect, complete, not lacking anything. Now, this is... This is a very important statement. Let steadfastness have its full effect. What does that mean? That means you stay in the test. That means you stay engaged to the power of God. That means you endure in the test. So many of us run, right? We run when the test comes. Oh, I don't want to face that test. So I'm going to run away from a relationship. And run away from my marriage, run away from a job, run away from whatever is causing me pain because my life philosophy is no pain. That's not God's philosophy. Pain is what moves you forward. So you, you have to just keep enduring. And that's the beautiful thing about the body of Christ is that we can surround each other and encourage each other. And, and again... Help us walk through these tests that God sends our way. Let's go back to James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. If any of you lacks wisdom, <laughs> that's kind of funny, isn't it? If any of you lacks wisdom, uh, hello. <laughs> I think we all do. And if you don't think you uh, need some wisdom... Uh, Better think about your pride, right? Because we all need wisdom. 
So if any of you lacks wisdom, so you see, this is a very well-known verse that's memorized by many people, but it's always interesting to come up along the verse in the context of the passage, right? What is this wisdom for? To help you to go through tests so that you might endure and or that you might become like Jesus Christ and be steadfast. Friends, this verse is one of the most practical and powerful verses in all of Scripture. This verse gives you carte blanche access to God. You can go to Him into His throne room any time of any day and He'll give His full attention to you. Imagine if you had the privilege of having full access to the President of the United States. You could call Him any time if you hear something on the news. Now what was going on with that? And He would stop everything. Right? And then you had the opportunity to fly out there. I'd like to come, you know, spend a couple of days. Oh, that's okay. We can cancel everything. Hey, I'd like to go on that trip. Sure, come along. <laughs> wow. Well, friends, we need to understand that access to God the Father, of course, is so much more precious and meaningful than access to the President. And we need to take advantage of it. We need to continue to pray to Him. Again, James 1.5, If anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given Him. Now, the key factor in God answering your prayers is that you're trusting Him. And you're honest with Him about what's going on in your soul. When you go to God, just pour out your feelings. You know, you're mad at God, tell Him. He knows that. You know, but process through with Him. And that's how He again ministers to you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 7 lays out a beautiful track on how we are to live our lives. Trusting in God's wisdom. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So we're to trust in the Lord with all our heart. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. How do you acknowledge God in your life? Well, just by remembering that He's with you. Sometimes I set an alarm on my clock. Every 15 minutes it goes off. And says, okay, God's with me and I'm you know, struggling with something. I'll pray about it. But just to practice the presence of God. And friends, I tell you what. All the tests that we have going on in life, we should have a very active prayer life. I mean, if you're living the way that God wants you to live, you spent a lot of time in prayer this past week. Because every time that issue came up, oh, God, give me grace. Give me strength. Help me to endure this day. He just kept sending up those messages to him. 
Remember when God asked Solomon, what do you want? It's the only time that I've heard it asked in the Bible, Second uh, Chronicles. In the night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask what I shall give you. That's coming from God, man. Ask whatever you want. I will do it for you. Now, Solomon could have asked for wealth. He could ask for a lot of women. He could ask for military victories. He could ask to live a long life. But you know what Solomon said? He said, Lord, may your promises be fulfilled to Israel. And please give me wisdom. I'm just a young kid. And I want to know how to manage these people. What did he ask for? Wisdom. So friends, 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 we can go to the throne of grace and continue to ask for wisdom, the most precious commodity. And get insights and strength and power to deal with those everyday challenges. It's a sad thing. That most Christians don't go to God the first thing. They don't go to Him first. Where do they go? They go to Google. Oh, yeah, man. We got all the education, all the experts out there, and I'll just type in my problem, and I'll pick up an article or maybe download a book, and then I'll be off to the races. Or they talk to a friend. And discuss it with them. Well, what do you think I should do? Right? Or maybe they might go to a Christian counselor and say, I'm really messed up here. Can you help me? Now, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But it's so important that you ask God first. First. Because He is the one who is going to help you through that test. So don't be talking to anybody else. In fact, you married couples, when you talk about problems, you have you prayed about that? Uh, what, that's what you've got to do. If you want to see God do miracles in life, you've got to continue to pray, bring it to Him first, and then I just keep on praying. I just keep on praying about the same thing because I know that's how God gets things done. That's how God accomplishes His will through me. In 1969, there was a man named Willard Boyle. And he and his colleagues created something called the electronic eye. They provided the science behind digital cameras. It's called the charge couple device, CCD. And revolutionized film because now light could be captured electronically. And we all are aware of this, right? It's on the Hubble telescope. It's on the Mars lunar lunar, uh, lander. And it's in your pocket or in your purse. Maybe you're looking at it right now. Hopefully at the Bible. But the point being is, is that that revolutionized everything. 
that concept, that invention. In fact, it was funny. Willard Boyle went into a camera store several years after he had invented this because he wanted to buy a digital camera. So the salesman comes up and Willard asks some questions about digital cameras. and So the salesman starts to to explain how a digital camera works. And then he just stops. I said, oh, this, this is too complicated for you. <laughs> this is too complicated for you, Willard. Now, Willard was a humble man, but this time he said, no need to explain. I invented it. Salesman didn't believe him. Type it into your web browser. Willard S. Boyle. And there was a Nikon representative there who saw his hero and took a picture with him, right? Isn't that how we treat God sometimes? He created us. He has a plan for our lives. He wants to give us wisdom. And for whatever reason... We don't go to Him first. Maybe it's pride. I can get this done myself. Well, no, you really can't. I mean, you can, but it's not going to count for God's glory. Or, uh, you know, I, I just don't know if I can trust God. Well, it's not going to go very far either. Can you trust God? Can you trust God? Can you trust the God who created you? Can you trust the God who loves you perfectly? He knows 99% about, excuse me, we know 1% about ourselves. He knows 100%. Now, wouldn't he be the guy that you'd want some help from? He's sovereign. This guy could pull some strings, you know. He's got some influence. Wouldn't he be the first one that you would talk to? Of course. Of course. So as, as you go throughout this week, I just challenge you. Every time an issue comes up, go to God first. And you see, when you do that, you acknowledge God, as we talked about before, and you assign him as project manager over your trial. There's a lot, there's a big difference between project manager and owner. Okay? So the idea is, is that you give him your trial. It's not your responsibility to solve it. Your responsibility is to submit to him, listen to his wisdom, and let him work it out. I don't know about that. I mean, I want to get going here. And sometimes when I talk to God, it takes Him a long, long time to give me wisdom. Well, it's worth waiting for, isn't it? It certainly is. I just want you guys this morning just to understand the unbelievable privilege we have in going to God for wisdom in our lives. And 
I've grown a lot in this area. And so I'll pray about an issue. And every time it comes up, I'll pray about it again. And I'll pray about it again instead of worrying about it. That doesn't help, right? I just give this to you, God. I have no idea what's going to happen. It's an impossible situation. But I'm going to trust you that you will do your sovereign plan. So how does a a believer get wisdom? Well, you ask for it, right? You see, trials drag us to our knees. They force us to our knees because we realize this one's out of my league. And then when you ask for that wisdom, it's amazing. I know so many of you have experienced this. The Holy Spirit speaking to you. When I sit down to talk with a couple or about whatever issue, maybe a difficult issue, I always pray first. I'm no dummy because (laughs) my knowledge is limited. And I say, oh, Holy Spirit, just fill me with your wisdom. And I tell you, there are counseling sessions I walk out of that I say, that was not Dan Harrison talking. That came from the Holy Spirit. He delivered the wisdom I needed to help those people. And sometimes you're just you're praying about something and praying about something, and all of a sudden a light bulb goes off in your head. Like, oh, yeah, that, that, that's it. That's what I should do. Where is that coming from? It's coming from the project manager. He just happened to drop it in your mind through the Holy Spirit. Friends, it is fantastic to live this way. Because you keep on trusting God. You keep on going through the test. As you pass a test with His power, you become stronger. God will use people to deliver wisdom. Oh, That's what's so beautiful about the body of Christ. We have so many different experiences here of where you have walked through a test and you have passed it. And now another person is in that same test. And the best person to talk to is a one who's passed the test, right? Because they can relate to where you are. Now we're... We're always seeking to encourage one another. But the primary way that God reveals His wisdom is through His inspired Word. His revelation of Himself. And that's why this book has to be the most important book in your life. How many of you would like to have less anxiety? How many of you would like to have more joy in your life? How many of you would like to have better relationships with people around you? How many of you would like a closer relationship with God? The wisdom is all right here, powered by the Holy Spirit. And I've done this, and very common, but We just kind of struggle through things and try to figure things out, but we never really get serious about seeking God's wisdom. We never 
Put it out there 100%. God, it's in your corner. I'm not going to take it back. I'm just keep on praying to you for wisdom in this difficult situation. Think about this past week. How much time did you spend uh, reading the Bible, memorizing it, meditating on it, uh, engaged in some type of church activity where the Bible is being taught, Listen to podcasts. So many wonderful teachers around uh, the nation and the world that can teach you so much. I mean, it's just great stuff. But again, a lot of Christians just don't do that. And one of the problems, of course, we have in our culture is that we are distracted, right? We are distracted. Information overload. 73% of adults now use a social networking site of some kind. The average American on social media platforms receives about 54,000 words and 443 minutes of video a day. And what we're all suffering from is information fatigue syndrome. Way too much information. Uh, Friends, if you're struggling in life, if you are hurting, where should you spend your time? I'm all for entertainment, movies, TV, surf the Internet. But if you were to take all the time that you did that this past week and compare to the amount of time spent with God's book of wisdom, how would that compare? It doesn't mean you have to spend 20 hours, but it should be a significant time. Because these are where the answers are. You're looking for your answers. Kids are looking for uh, for answers. This is where it is. And therefore, we have to commit ourselves to it. And I know... It's not as interesting and engaging as something on TV or on the Internet. But friends, when you get to know this book, you begin to love it because it makes such a critical difference in your life. Another way to learn about this book is uh, to be part of a local church family. And it's so good to have you guys here today. Because you said today, I'm going to church. And I, wanna, I want God to reveal some wisdom to me. Might come through a song, might come through my message, might come through a conversation in the atrium. But it's so important that you come and worship with us. It's import, so important for you parents, especially as you have that responsibility of discipling your children. We want to help you out. And we do. We got Kid City during the service. We've got Awana on Wednesday nights. On Thursday nights, we have Jam for junior hires and Thrive for senior hires. I am so proud of my staff. We run an excellent children's and youth program. We really do. But you have got encourage your children to participate and start early like at one month 
Because <laughs> the later you wait to encourage your kids to go to church, you know, the less leverage you have, you know. But if you just say, hey, we're going to church. I don't want to go to church. Well, you don't want to go to school, do you? No. Okay. This is wisdom school. This is God's school. Sometimes you're not going to like it. Sometimes you'll be bored. But I tell you what, you need this course more than anybody. I know there are all kinds of extracurricular activities out there that are wonderful. But friends, if you're a parent and you're discipling a child, and if involvement in the local church is not your top priority for your child, you better be careful. I've been around long enough to see kids grow up, and I see parents who are just kind of not very directive with their kids, not, you know, really having them get involved in things, and now I see them as adults. And some are a very pretty picture. The best investment of your time is training your children at home and bringing them to our family so we can be a disciple-making community. Back to James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Don't you love that? God gives generously. It's like going to uh, the old country buffet or... You can just keep eating and eating and eating. In fact, uh, someone took me to uh, Texas Day, Brazil, and some of the other staff, and, you know, they have these, you know, skewers of meat. And I tell you, once you turn that card over to green, it's like a swarm. It was surreal. I had like five people around me offering all different types of meat. And they kept coming back and coming back and coming back. And they would continue to come back until I turned that card over again. That's a generous spirit. I'm thankful for my friends who paid for it. Uh, <laughs> but it's way God is, man. He is always there saying, Dan... Hello, Dan. Can you come and ask me for some wisdom? Because you sure need it. Without reproach. I love that, too. Without reproach. Ever been in school and and you just can't figure that mathematical problem out? Until you go to the teacher. Talks you through it. Still can't figure it out. You go back again. And again, and you're getting kind of embarrassed here, and you're wondering what the teacher's thinking. And some teachers, of course, are not nice. They don't remain patient with you. But God is like the teacher says, you come back any time you need. This tutoring center is open 24-7. And I am here for you. Without reproach. Now, You maybe have been drifting from God. You haven't, you know, been walking with God for so many years. When you go to God, God's not going to say, really? Come on. There's a six-month probation. After six months, then you can pray to me. 
Just imagine if there were a limit on the number of spiritual, technical prayers that we could make per week. Let's say you get 25. You get 25 prayers per week. And after 25, he's not listening. Wow. What do you think would happen? I think you'd start praying more. I've got a limited amount here, right? The demand. I've got to use these because there's so many issues that I've only got 25. Well, we have unlimited. And that's kind of the problem. Because we take it so much for granted that we just kind of drift. Kind of drift from walking close to Christ. Now, discerning wisdom is not easy. You can pray for wisdom, but you really have to go after it. You really have to pursue it, as it says in Proverbs 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, you are serious. I want your wisdom, God, and I'm going to keep asking you hour after hour and day after day, and I'm going to search the Scriptures and I'm going to talk to Christian friends because I want it. Verse 4, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasure. Ever found something you wanted to buy? So you go on the internet, right? And you might spend hours searching for that puppy because you're very particular. Okay? Well, that's our same attitude towards Scripture. There's gems in here. There will truths that will transform our lives in here. But we got to dig. We got to be serious about it. And then we'll have wisdom. I, my prayer for you is that you would be hungry for wisdom, that you would be thirsty for wisdom. That you would continue to go back, no matter how long you've walked with Christ, to deepen that relationship of dependence upon Him. They've got to be careful because when it talks about trials, that it can also mean temptations. So if you fail the test, you can be led into sin. God doesn't lead you into sin. But you can be led into it. And of course, God doesn't want that for your life. Uh, James 1, 6 or 7. Now, here's a condition on prayer. This is interesting. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for that one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Hey, foe! Oh, wait a second. What are you talking about? Are you limiting my prayers? Are you saying that if I don't pray in the right way? I've always been taught I can go to God and get anything I want. Well, you've been taught wrong. There's a lot of conditions on prayer throughout Scripture. And this is the most important one. Because if you go to God and you really don't have confidence that God can fix it, you don't really have that faith that, oh, I'll send it up there anyway. You know, another option, zilch, nothing. 
You've got to go to God and say, God, I'm in this situation. And I'm overwhelmed by it. And I'm going to trust you 100% as a project manager to give me the wisdom and the strength and the endurance to walk through this test in order that I might be more like Jesus Christ. That's the kind of faith you need. Look in James 1.8. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. Double-minded means two souls. All right? Two souls. Unstable. Ever been seasick before? I can remember going out on a friend's boat. and oh, Just a little boat. And I got back and I threw up all over the boat. Not good to do to a friend's boat. <laughs> but I tell you what, friends, when you're not totally committed to God, you are going to be unstable in your life. James says in verse uh, 4 of chapter 4, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. That's strong teaching, isn't it? Why? Well, come on. I mean, the world is here, and they like to have me over once in a while, and, yeah, well, you know, you know, talk about the best things and you know, engage in the same things or have the same values, but, you know, it's just, just a little bit. No! <laughs> no! You're double-minded. You're trying to live. To experience what the world says. So you're looking at the world's wisdom. And then you're looking over here and you're looking at God's wisdom. And it creates tremendous frustration. And no results. Now that I've got your attention... Friends, are you double-minded today? How much of a friend of the world are you? How much of the world's wisdom are you listening to opposed to God's Word? You need to repent. You need to repent. That's why your life is so messed up and confused. Is you're trying to play on two different teams, and it ain't working. You only can be on one team. That's where your heart needs to be. But here is the incredible grace of Christ. James 4.8 Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hand, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Maybe you have been double-minded. Wasn't well, this beautiful? God says, hey, I haven't moved. Why don't you come back to me? Why don't you draw near to me? I'll fill you with wisdom. I'll fill you with insight. I'll fill you with satisfaction. But you've got to be committed to me through the power of the Holy Spirit. And again, our God is such a gracious God. You know, he's not going to say, well, you come back later. No, it's like the prodigal son, right? He welcomes him back. 
our God just continues to pour out grace upon us. So if you are double-minded today, if you're on both teams and you're kind of playing the fence, I would challenge you to repent today. Because it's the healthiest thing you can do in your life and change your behavior, change who you hang out with, and start making Jesus number one. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Let's pray. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I can't tell you how much I love this passage, but you know. <laughs> it's just every day practical instruction on how to deal with this messy world. It's hard, Lord. It's hard to look at our problems and say, now, it's a test. But I pray you continue to inspire us as a congregation to start living with your viewpoint that it is a test and it's to make me stronger and heaven is the end game. I might suffer throughout this whole life, but I'll be in heaven for eternity. It's hard, Lord. I just pray for my friends as they process through this. And I pray for anybody who has been convicted that they're double-minded. They're playing on both teams. They want some of the world and some of God, and it's really messing them up. Lord, I pray that they would ask you for forgiveness, and they would ask you for your help in order that they might abide with you. In Christ's name, amen.